Good morning. Uh, just so you guys know, I, I really, really appreciate uh, that guy right there, um, all that he is to me and, and to my family, um, and even to this church, whether you know it or not. Um, I have two guys who I look at as spiritual fathers. Um, one is my biological father, who is also a spiritual father to me, um, who has been pouring into me for a long, long time. And uh, and then my other spiritual father is, is John. Um, about 14, 15 years ago, uh, took me under his wing and started to pour into me and, and help me be better for, for God. And, and in a time where pastors and preachers seem to be about the promoting of self. Um, you, just, you don't find people like him um, that have the limelight and then pass it off. Like preachers don't do that. Um, and so I, I thank God for him and even the, the example that he set for me. Um, that it is not about me. Uh, it's part of the example he set for me. It's part of the reason that I kneel when I pray. It's just an act of humility to God that just reflects my heart that shows God that I know that it's not about me. Um, and so I, I thank you so much for him. Um, we, are, we are a team. I, I look at him as a, as a coach. And uh, we are definitely on the same page uh, in every way. So if I hear someone talk bad about him, I won't respond favorably. Okay. <laughs> Um, I'm mic'd up, and this is going to go online, so I can't say what will happen. <laughs> but, uh, but whether in public or private, um, you know, I will always have his back. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for this time. Uh, thank you for this sermon series, God, that you allow us to, uh, that you've been speaking to us through. Uh, God, forgive us of our sins. Wash us, uh, Heavenly Father, with your forgiveness, God. God, if there be any distractions of heart or mind that would hinder us from hearing from you, uh, Heavenly Father, please remove those things out of the way. Uh, dominate this time, God. Fill this place with your presence and with your spirit and your voice. In Jesus' name, uh, do it, God, and we, we will thank you for it. We humble ourselves under your mighty hand uh, that you would exalt us in due time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, just so you know, I am not shortening the message uh, because I don't know. We're continuing on this Attributes of God series. I'm really excited about the series. Uh, God's spoken to me th so much through this series, and I, and I pray, and it is my prayer and hope that he's been speaking to you through it, that it's blessed you, helped you in some way. Um, Continuing on the attributes of God, uh, we're going to look to Revelations 15 and 3 for the next attribute of God. And Revelations 15 and 3, uh, it reads as thus, And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways. O King of the Nations. Uh, we're going to talk about how God 
is just. God is just. O Lord God, the Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. And so it mentions uh, several times through Scripture the fact that God is just. Uh, and, and he is just in his ways. And so we're going to talk about the fact that God is just and what that means and what that means to us. Uh, number one, let's start with the fact that God is just. What does that mean? Uh, the word just uh, means that he is right. That he is right. It actually means even more specifically that God is impartial. That he is impartial. That he has no biases. That is amazing to me. That in a world full of biases, in a world full of people who lean towards uh, one thing or lean towards that, that our God has no biases. He has no biases. Uh, the word just actually means that he is balanced. That he is balanced, that he does not lean towards one way or the other. Another way to say it is that uh, in Scripture it says that God is upright, that he is straight up. He, he does not lean towards one side or another. He does not lean towards one people group. He does not lean towards one affiliation. I can guarantee you from Scripture that God is not looking at the Democrats saying, all oh, these Democrats are just all wrong. They need to get it together. I can guarantee you that he is not sided uh, with, with the Democrats or the Republicans. I can guarantee you he has no affiliation. He has no political party that if he would vote, he would vote for. <laughs> he wouldn't vote for any of them, I can promise you. <laughs> he is completely upright. He is completely balanced. He favors none. Even in, in, uh, and, and that is astounding to me, astounding to me in a world full of biases, in a world full of favoritism and nepotism, our God leans towards none. The Bible says in Psalms 37 that he loves the righteous. But before you go bashing people who don't know him, it says in Jeremiah 3 that he's married to the sinner. That he's married to the sinner, committed to the sinner. He does not lean one way or the other. And being just and having no favoritism towards one side or the other, towards one people group or the other, towards one kind of person or the other, it says in another place that God has no respect of persons. And I want you to know, and it brings peace to my heart to know that we serve a God who will bless anybody. Anybody. God will bless anybody. He will enter into relationship with anybody. God will use, when he gets ready to use someone, he can and will use Anybody. Anybody. In Scripture, as a matter of fact, to prove a point, God will often use the person that no one expects. 
He will often use the least likely. He will often use the one who's not so gifted, who doesn't have it so much. I, 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 I tell people that's why God used me. He will often use the last one that you would expect just to prove how just he is. The Bible says that in, in, in scriptures, oftentimes it was just, it was traditional thinking that the, that the favorite son, the first son, was the most likely, the most likely to succeed. If, if, if people had four or five sons, they would say that the firstborn was the most likely to succeed. That was just traditional thinking, traditional biblical thinking, that the first son was the most likely to succeed. And so oftentimes God would use the second son or the third or one of the other ones just to prove a point of how just he is. Which is why between Cain and Abel, God used Abel. He was the second son. God was just trying to prove a point. Of Jacob and Esau, the sons of Isaac, of Jacob and Esau, Esau was the older one. And so the one that everybody thought was going to have the blessing and God chose to favor the second son. Just because, just to prove a point, God is in the business of using, of blessing the last person you would expect. The Bible says that when uh, God tells Samuel, he doesn't tell Samuel what the boy's name is, but God says to Samuel, the next king of Israel lives in the house of Jesse. So Samuel goes to Jesse's house and he tells Jesse, I don't know which one it is, but the next king of Israel is one of your boys. And so Jesse gathers all of his sons together but one. He gathered all the ones, starting with the oldest, and lined them up before the prophet Samuel. He gathered everybody that he thought it might be. Brings all of his boys to Samuel and says to Samuel, it's got to be one of these. And he started with the oldest. And then Samuel stood before the oldest. And with the voice of God in his ear, he said, that's not the one. And so Jesse is starting to get a little confused. He's starting to get a little baffled at this point. Why in the world would God not have used the oldest? He was the most likely. And so the second son comes up and God said, he's not the one. The third one, he's not the one. The fourth one, he's not the one. Finally, all of his sons, after lining up all of these guys, except for the one, the prophet tells Jesse None of these are the one. You must have another somewhere. And he was like, well, I, 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 got, I got David. But, but, but surely, surely it is not him. And Samuel said to Jesse, get him and bring him to me. And the Bible says that when David stood... When David stood, Samuel was an old man and he was sitting... And that when David stood before him, God said to Samuel, arise and anoint him because he's the one. God is in the, the business of using the least likely. He'll often use the one that you wouldn't expect. Your blessing will never, hardly ever come the way you expect it. 
That is why a lot of people miss their blessing. Because it never happens. God never sends help the way you think it's, he's going to do it. He's never, he's, he never hardly ever helps you, blesses you, comes to your aid the way that you would expect him to. The Bible says that the king of the whole universe, the, the, the Lord of all creation, walked among us and nobody knew it. Nobody knew it. He was so unlikely, even in the way he looked, that he had to be pointed out. It was so, that is baffling to me, that the Savior of the universe was stood in a lineup, and he looked so unlikely, he had to be pointed out. God is indiscriminate. God will use anybody. The word, when, it, when, it, when we are saying that God is just, uh, the word that we're actually saying, it is, it, is a semin, it, it is a synonym of the word promiscuous. And so in saying that God is just, that God would just use anybody, it is basically saying that the Spirit of God has a promiscuity about it. It doesn't mean that the Spirit of God is sleeping around. The word promiscuous at its base, at its root, has nothing to do with sexual partners. The word promiscuous means indiscriminate. It means having no filter. It means having no bias. It means literally anybody is good enough. Raise your hand if you know someone who's promiscuous. You don't have to raise your hand. It is the, the promiscuity of the Spirit of God. How that he would just use anyone, that he would bless anyone, that he would go into a relationship with anyone was alarming to God's people and often bothered them. When Jesus walked among when, when Jesus walked among uh, the people and, and he entered into a relationship with different people, they were bothered by how promiscuous. He was promiscuous in the sense that he seemed to enter into relationship with anybody. You didn't have to be qualified. You didn't have to be the best. You didn't have to be the most gifted. You didn't have to be the most likely to succeed. Jesus would befriend and love and enter into relationship with anybody. The Bible says that the uh, that Zacchaeus, who was a tax collector and and was you know uh, he was shooed away by the public people didn 't associate with tax collectors people didn 't befriend tax collectors people didn 't uh, join up with tax collectors if, if you lived in that time you wouldn 't invite him over to your house for dinner and so Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and the Bible says that as Jesus was walking by. Zacchaeus was sitting up in the tree. And Jesus says to a man that nobody refused to associate themselves with. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. I'm eating at your house tonight. The promiscuity of the Spirit of God and how God seemed to, and even Jesus in the embodiment of God, seemed to enter into relationship with anybody. It bothered people. It bothered these people who were so political. 
It bothered these people who were so biased. It bothered these people who had favorites. The Bible says that the woman at the well, Jesus knew she needed help. And so he's talking to her, and by tradition, he shouldn't even be having a conversation with her. But Jesus took time for a woman. He shouldn't have even been associating himself with, according to them. Even the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, are you, are you sure? Are you sure you want to be talking to her? And Jesus took time out with her anyway. The Bible says that Mary Magdalene, Jesus was sitting. He was sitting and, and, and talking Bible and wisdom with some people. And he's sitting there talking to them. And the Bible says that the Pharisees brought Mary Magdalene. They had caught her in the act of adultery. This is in John 8, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The Bible says in John 8, he's sitting there. He's talking to the people, talking about Bible and talking wisdom, talking things of God. And the Bible says that they brought Mary Magdalene, who they had caught in the act. It wasn't like they heard she did it. It wasn't like a maybe kind of. They caught her in the act. They they drug her out of the bed and threw her on the ground at the feet of Jesus. Knowing that surely Jesus was in those days, it was tradition that they would cast stones and, uh, to a person who was caught in the act, saying that surely Jesus would not give this person a chance. Surely Jesus wouldn't show favor to this person. Surely he wouldn't show love to this person. And the Bible says that when they threw this woman at the feet of Jesus, the first thing Jesus does is the Bible says that he got down that he got down. Seeing that she was down at his feet, the Bible says that he got down and that he started to write in the sand. And it doesn't even tell us what he wrote. It doesn't tell us what he wrote. But while they were talking about her, while they were condemning her, while they were telling Jesus all the reasons why she should not be used, why she should be ostracized, why she should be stoned and killed publicly, the Bible says that Jesus just wrote in the sand. And the more they convicted her, the more they talked about her, Jesus just wrote in the sand. I thank God for Jesus that while I was, while I should have been convicted, while I should have been ostracized, when I shouldn't have been used at all, hearing my accusers, he just wrote in the sand. He just played in the sand. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of the brethren. He literally goes to God and tells God all the reasons why God should not even be using you. That the devil literally goes to God and tells God every reason why God should not show you love and compassion and mercy. And literally, it it, it brings joy to my soul. It is a point of praise for me. And it should be to you that when the devil does such a thing that God just writes in the sand. He acts like he doesn't even hear him. And he continues to love you anyway. He continues to pour out his mercy on you anyway. He continues to show compassion for you anyway. Despite the fact that you are wrong. 
And Jesus, when he could say nothing to defend her, there was nothing. They were trying to catch him. They were trying to catch him in a, in a, in a bad spot. And so when Jesus had nothing to say to defend her, he just said nothing. He just said nothing, and he continued to ignore them. The Bible says that if you draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto you. That God, if you will just draw nigh to him, it says he will draw nigh to you, James 4 and 8. God is indiscriminate. He doesn't place favorites. He doesn't lean to one side or the other. He's so just that he has no qualifications. That if you would just draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. I remember being a young boy in middle school when I first gave my life to God. And I told God, I, uh, God, I, I, I can't sing. Uh, I've officially been unanimously voted off of the choir. Um, I do want to remind you, if I didn't tell you before, if I told you before, you'll hear it again. What, what hurt so bad and stung so bad about that is that I had three siblings who were on the choir. And, and the vote was unanimous. I, 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 none of you. None of you. It was unanimous. But I came to God and said, God, I, I, I can't sing and, and I really get nervous around people. I can't talk in public or anything. Um, I, my, you know, I'm, I'm not that smart, but you can have me. You can have me. And God said to me at this point, I remember being 14 years old. He said, I'll take you. I'll take you. I can use you. I can use you. And I want you to know that God can use you. God can use you. No matter what you've done, God can use you. No matter where you've been, God can use you. It doesn't matter what you've been exposed to or where you found yourself, how low you've gotten, it doesn't matter. God can use you. God can use you. Which is why the scripture says, just draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. Just come close to him. We have a couple of people with this church, uh, uh, good, good guys, but they will talk to anybody, anybody. Chuck is one of them. Uh, I, I, I don't want to call too many other names. Myra is one of those people. Uh, uh, Wes, Wes, I love Wes. Where's Wes? There he is. He, the, the, those three will talk to anybody. And if you haven't had a conversation with them, it's because you didn't make direct eye contact. <laughs> if, you, if you've ever gotten in their sphere, in their radius, if you ever made direct eye contact, uh, the conversation is going to happen. And if you've never had a conversation with them, then that's your fault. You, you didn't put yourself in position. <laughs> you didn't put yourself in position. And God is the same way. God has no biases. God said, if you, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. If you would take the time to start praying and reading your Bible, I'll use you. If you will dedicate yourself to my service, I'll use you. And God desires to use us. God desires to, to use us for his glory. 
Studies show that 20, that the, that studies show that roughly 100% of the work in the church is done by 20% of the people. 20%. That 100% of the work in the church is done by 20% of the people. We live in an age, we live in a time where nobody wants to be used by God. Where nobody wants to come closer to the fire. We live in an age where people don't put themselves in position for God to use them. Last week after the message, Kobe, uh, who is 13. Kobe, are you 13? Where's Kobe? Are you 13? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, that's one of the reasons God's going to use him because he's respectful. <laughs> he came to me and we talked about getting closer to the fire last week. He came to me after the message, called me outside and said, I want to talk to you for a second. I said, what's on your mind? He said, how can I get closer to the fire? And if you think for a second that God is going to hesitate because he's young, then, then you do not know our God. If you think for a second that God is going to hesitate to use him because of what he does not know, then you do not know our God. We serve an, an indiscriminate God, an unbiased God, a non-political God, a God with no biases or affiliations who will use anybody who comes. Anybody who comes to him, anybody who presents themselves at the feet of Jesus and say, God, use me for your glory. In the same way I did, God, I'm not much, but what I am, you can have it. And God will use you. God, God in being a just God and not leaning towards one way or the other, he never blesses us. He never sends help. He never sends aid the way we expect. In Luke 10, which is the story of the Good Samaritan, he, asks, he is talking to a young man and the topic of discussion is, who is your brother? Is your brother the one who has the same political affiliation? If you are a Democrat, is your brother other Democrats? If you are a Republican, is your brother other Republicans? Maybe if you're black, then surely your brothers and your sisters are other black people. Maybe if you're, if you're white, your brothers are uh, someone who shares the same skin color as you do. And Jesus told of the man who was the Jew and he fell into the hands of robbers and he was on the side of the road and he needed help. And the priest came and did not help him. The Levite came and passed by on the other side of the road. And then the Samaritan came. The one who had nothing in common with him. The one who, had, uh, who shouldn't have even been talking to him in the first place. Took the time to help him and show him love and compassion. And so Jesus says to the man, which one was his brother? Which one was his brother? Jesus was trying to prove a point that help will often come, uh, will often not come in the way that you expect. Help, your blessing, hardly ever comes the way that you expect. 
That is why most people miss their blessing. That is why most people miss the movement of the hand of God because they're looking for it one way and God comes over here. They were looking for Jesus to come and, 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 and just to come in a plush way with a lot of money and a lot of, and a lot of uh, you know, fanfare and, 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 and a lot of noise. And the Bible says that he didn't come that way at all. That the, that the Savior of the world, it blows my mind, that the Savior of the world, when coming into the world that he created anyway, he came in and was born in a stinky barn. He could have come in a castle and he didn't. He could have come with a crown on his head and he refused to. He could have come in a flashy way where everybody would have seen it. And everybody missed it because he didn't come the way they thought. I remember when God sent me, I remember that day, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, I almost missed my wife. Because she didn't look the way I thought she was. She was looking for somebody who could sing. And God knows that didn't happen. (laughs) But I do want you to know, I did sing to her the other day, uh, the song, Extreme More Than Words. You know, raise your hand if you ever heard the song. I'm I'm, I'm not going to sing it. Uh, It goes to say that I love you is not the words I want to hear from you. Not you don't have to say it, but if you already know. How easy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't sing. I can't sing at all. She was looking for a singer. She almost missed the best thing that ever happened to her. Looking, looking for Usher. Looking for Usher. No, no, it's not, it's not Usher. Not Usher. I was at, I was at, I met her at a Puerto Rican festival. At, at a Latin festival. And God sent me a white woman. And I, and I almost, I almost missed my blessing at a Latin festival because God didn't do it the way I thought. Looking for somebody who can cook grits the right way. I almost missed my blessing. But then, but then God, but then to show you how good God is, she can cook grits anyway. So bless you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, God. I appreciate it. Amen. God is so good. God is so good, but God will often, we often miss the move of God. We often miss, uh, the Bible says, uh, we often miss what God is doing. We often miss when he blesses because he never does it the way you expect. God is not going to send help. He is not going to send a blessing the way you want him to do it. He's not going to do it. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. One of my favorite scriptures. Uh, it, back in those days, uh, they, were, they were most often poor. And so what they would do, being mostly poor people, if they had something of value, what they would do, so that because they didn't have a safe to put it in, they didn't have a security, a vault, or a safe to put it in. They didn't have anything like that. And so if they had something of value, what they would do is wrap it up in something that was of no value, knowing that if the thief came and saw the thing of no value, that they wouldn't look any deeper. 
And often, and, and the Bible says, talking about Jesus, that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, saying that God, God sent Jesus and he wrapped him up in ridiculousness. He wrapped Jesus up in poverty. He wrapped him up. The Bible, uh, when studies show that Jesus was probably about 5'3", 115 pounds. He was so unassuming, you would have never known that it was him. About 5'3", just a little guy. You would have never taken him for the ruler of all time. You would have never known. And they didn't know because he didn't look like they thought. And so in those times, they would, they would wrap something up in something ugly. They would wrap up something valuable in something stinky. They would wrap up something valuable in something of no value. And often when God will do something great for you, he'll wrap it up in mediocrity. He'll wrap a great thing up and, 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 and he'll, send, he'll send you a blessing with no job. He'll send a great man. God will send a great man with no job. He'll send an amazing woman that can't cook. God will often uh, send a blessing and it'll be wrapped in something that you will, will, will back off from. And that's most oftentimes how we miss our blessing. And so we have to always ask God, God, what are you doing? God, let me know when you've sent your blessing. The last thing I want to I want to let you know being in the way that God is just that God is just that he is balanced. I want to let you know that a just God uh has has made sure that to this world and to this life that there is a certain balance. There's a certain balance of life that a just God would have it be that way. The Bible says this in Psalms 30 and 5 that weeping endures for a night but joy comes in the morning. When you look at the justice system and the symbol for the justice system is a balance. It is a balance. And I want you to know that in your life that God will allow you to experience balance. It says that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. For those of you that are going through things, I want you to know that God is a God of balance. It's not going to be one way all the time. You're not going to uh, experience the same problem, the same hardship, the same, the same thing that's made you cry for the last five years. It's not going to be that way all the time. And so if you're going through something right now, you can take a refuge in the fact that we have a just God. Life is like a pendulum. We're going to, I'm going to talk about this for a second, and then we're going to go, life is like a pendulum. See, a pendulum is that thing that sits in the middle of a grandfather clock. A pendulum, and life is like a pendulum because it will swing one way. But as far as it swings the other way, if you will just be patient and wait on it, it will come back the other way. And I remember as I sat in my apartment with no lights and no water, and, my, and they came and got my blazer. 
and I was going through all these things, I was reminded God told me if you will just hold on, it will swing back the other way. He didn't promise to make me a millionaire. He didn't promise that my life would be all peaches and roses. But he promised me that to some degree, it will swing back the other way. And if you will just be patient while it's up here and be patient with the process of life, God, a just God, who is a balanced God, will allow your life to swing back the other way. Don't quit because it's over here. Don't quit because it swung this way and it's, and, it's, and it's rocky and it's crazy and you're crying yourself to sleep every night. Please don't give up right now. You owe it to yourself to wait until it swings the other way. The Bible says that weeping endures for a night. Weeping doesn't endure forever. Raise your hand if you know somebody who's, who's cried forever. It says, weeping endures, but for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And this is not saying that God is going to to just give you everything you want. But it does mean that it's not going to be one way all the time. Because God is just. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all your many blessings. We thank you for uh, being a just God. God, we thank you for being the type of God that will uh, that will use anyone, that will bless anyone, that will enter into a relationship with anyone. God, help us to not miss your movement. Help us to not miss when you send the blessing our way because the blessing didn't come the way we expected it to. Help us to have our eyes open, God. It says, he that has ears, let him hear. He that has eyes, let him see. God, help us to know what you're doing. God, we thank you for for those that are, are in a season of life where it is swung in a bad direction really far. God, help them to know that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Help them to know that it will swing the other way because God is just. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.